This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Alright guys, so right now it's Ked and we uh we have Papa, Papa's here, and we are interviewing these two fucking beauties. Joy Diamond out of Long Island and Matt Fornatero out of Calgary. Calgary Stampede, shout out to them. Uh, both these guys played D1, played a little in the East Coast, AHL. A lot more than what I've played. I bet I have more beer league points than them, though, to be honest. Uh, how's it going, fellas? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having us. Nope. Yeah, it's going good, boys. Uh, we're excited to be on. All right, cool. So we're just before we kind of break down like what you guys have done with Company Thirty Nine and all that shit. I just kind of want to get a little bit of background story. Uh, Joey, you played at UMaine. Uh, Matt, you played at UNH. I guess my first question: You guys ever play each other in college? <laughs> no, never. No, we didn't. I was. Uh, I'm five years older than Joey, so we uh, we just missed each other in school. Okay, so if if uh, who do you, who had the better team? I mean, let's let's do a little bit of like fuck you <laughs> to each other. I mean, was was UMaine better to go to? Was UNH better to go to? Played club hockey. I went up to UNH quite a bit. The rink was sick. Never got to play at UMaine, but I love those baby blue sweaters. I mean, what were, what was your time like up there? Let's let's hear bragging rights. All right. I mean, uh, luckily for Maddie, he never had to play against me. Um, <laughs> That's true, man. We would have went at it. I think. <laughs> yeah, hands down. Um, I don't know. I, I, Maine. I mean, I don't think uh, growing up for me, at least, uh, you, you saw Maine and in the frozen four, um, all the time. It's like blue sweaters. Like you said, it's, uh, it's something you, uh, it's something that you saw all the time and to where, uh, you know, I, I I think it's obvious. I think that obviously it's the better school, better jerseys, (laughs) better mascot and all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Maddie can explain, uh, what yeah, think? I think, I mean, obviously my experience at UNH was incredible. Um, same kind of thing. When I had first gone there, you know, UNH is sort of going through a little bit of a rebuild right now. But when when I was coming into school, they were, you know, consistently a top 10 school. And, and Maine, too. Maine was a, a great school. And you always heard about those great teams they had with Korea and um, so it was cool that Maine was obviously our, our biggest rival. It was always a, a battle, 
whether we were going up to the the Alphonse or, or they were coming down to the wit, it was always a lot of fun. So, I mean, UNH is, uh, I think it's what, 60, 40 women to men. So I think we win okay. hands down every day. Yeah, and Matt, I'm probably going to give you the nod too because I've been up to Maine a couple times and, and the, like the girls there, I mean, it's it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, I have a name drop for you actually. Do you know a guy named Tim Horse? He played at UNH. I don't know if he was before you or not. Tim Horse? Yeah, Tim Horse. He was a defenseman. He ended up playing for the Lancers with uh, Ortmeier and Conklin, so he may have been a little bit before you. Yeah, he may be a little older. Name doesn't ring a bell. Unfortunately, he is fucking, which is kind he is of good. embarrassing. Hey, we didn't play on the club team. Jim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I got a question Ding. for Paul here. Um, yeah, I know Joey's an East Coast guy. Uh, what made you both choose uh, Hockey East rather than playing somewhere out West like a uh, Michigan, Michigan State? Um, well, I, I, for me, obviously being on the East Coast, um, it was always a Hockey East team for me. Either if it was a Hockey East team or – it was like a team like North Dakota, just such a big team. But like I said before, it was hockey issue. Always saw, uh, I mean, with hockey issue, always saw a team in the Frozen Four in the tournament. And Maine happened, you know, the years I was coming up. I actually remember <laughs> watching a game with you. Uh, yeah, well, in the dorm. Back in prep school with uh, Michigan State. You were a big Michigan State fan. I was a huge Michigan State. And then you dropped the bomb that you were like, yeah, uh, I turned them down. And I was like, you turned down Michigan State? That's my fucking dream. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I remember watching that with, uh, I think, Michigan State beat Maine in the Frozen Four, I think, in the, in the uh, semifinals. And yeah. uh, it was easy for me, my decision. Right, right when you knew, I knew Maine was um, – you know, looking at me and they offered me a, a scholarship, I, I, I knew it was a pretty quick decision for me to commit to them. Matt, what about you? Being from Calgary, how'd you, how'd you wind up at UNH? Yeah, my past sort of UNH was maybe a little bit odd um, at the time. I, I grew up in Calgary in Western Canada. All the guys are obviously focused on the dub and playing in the Western Hockey League. I was drafted in that league. Um, I was tiny and needed a lot of development I think so I think you know some people some influential people kind of said I think you should look at some colleges I think you'd be good down there so I ended up going to the USHL and that was kind of when I started to get recruited and uh, it actually came down to for me Colorado College and UNH um, so I, I, I wouldn't say I was like set on on going out east or hockey east, I knew it was a great conference and I knew it'd be great hockey. So um, ultimately, UNH kind of won me over, and, and I'm glad I went there. <coughs> uh, college wise, what what what? Uh, give me like your favorite memory, I guess, playing D1 at those schools. Like, do you guys have one memory that sticks out in front of all the other ones? Uh, yeah, mine I, mine sticks out pretty much. Um, we beat <laughs> H in Frozen Fenway in overtime. That was outdoor game i knew you were gonna use that one (laughs) (laughs) no yeah that was like probably the coolest thing uh for me at least was uh playing in frozen fenway obviously there's so many with like the alphon arena and playing in the (laughs) ornament at the garden but um for us playing uh, being able to play our biggest rival in unh and being able to beat them in overtime 
walk-off win in Fenway was uh, was pretty special. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that would have been sick. They kind of started <laughs> doing that after I left. But um, for me, man, there's so many. Like Joey said, um, you know, all those white-out-the-wit nights against Maine, just, like, insane atmosphere. There were lines up the street, like, hours before the game. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And my first, you know what I'll say? My, my, I'll never forget my freshman year, first game I played at Alphon in warmups, there's no net to the like above fans. And it's all like <laughs> their student section meatheads that are shit faced. And any puck that gets tipped or deflected up there, they are zinging that thing at our heads. <laughs> <laughs> It was insane. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it. So that kind of set the tone for the next uh, four years playing Maine. So, but yeah, so many memories, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but it's a little bit better than playing in front of fucking hundred people at the Albany County Ice Hockey Facility. So I'll, I'll give you guys the <laughs> nod there. Uh, when did you guys both know? So you guys are you guys are D one. You're clearly like great hockey players. When did you guys know that like uh, you could play professional hockey? Like what, was there ever like a clear moment where you're like, fuck, I'm going to get paid to play hockey. Like I know this is going to happen. Like what, what was going through your mind there? Um, I think uh, for me, at least uh, when I first thought I can play professional hockey, I, after my freshman year, I got invited to the Islanders development camp in July and you know they had their first round pick uh pick that year i think was seventh or sixth overall was nino nina rider okay and um pretty good player yeah uh, he uh had a couple of um was on the ice skating with all these guys and a couple of guys who played in the minors that were young guys I remember maddie martin was there uh josh bailey was there uh josh didn't um wasn't on the ice with us but he was around the guys and everything and i'm like that's when I first realized, I was like, wow, I'm just a regular guy. They're just a regular guy. I can play this game. I'm playing on the same, doing the same drills. I feel kind of confident if they're getting drafted. I'm not, and I'm at the same camp as you. I I can play too, yeah. you know? And that was when I really thought, like, it wasn't really so much, like, out of reach at that point or impossible, at least the, the thoughts that I was having back then from me. Gotcha. Think now, Joe, freshman year. Now, Joe, it wasn't when um, you were like a squirt in a peewee getting flown in a helicopter to games uh, <laughs> at the Snapple Express? It wasn't uh, at that point? I mean, you know what? It's crazy. It's like if I would have known what I've known now, obviously, like back then, I would have been like, like I, I don't think I really enjoyed that time where being able to get, you know, flown around to where I – understand what was going on around me and like holy shit like this is yeah i mean i'm in a helicopter at eight years old ten years old and i'm like oh okay this is normal this is what's gonna happen you're like yeah i don't know why everyone else sucks but yeah uh, yeah yeah, joey when when i was eight years old i played in an outdoor league eight games a year and i'd drive home my dad would yell at me and the and the windows would be up and he'd be hacking darts so i think (laughs) i think that i think the the way our careers went i think eight years old is when when i fell apart and you grew as a player (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what about you um yeah i mean i'd I'd say similar to joey i think um 
you know, as you're starting to come up 15, 16, 17 years old, you've, um, you know, if you're playing on the top kind of midget teams or junior teams, you're seeing guys that you've played with start to kind of have success and get drafted. And, um, and, and you realize that that line is so thin and like, and I think that's when it kind of starts to kick in as a player that like, Hey, like I, I can potentially play. I can, I can maybe make it. I know these guys I've played with these guys. So I would say like 16, 17, um, you know, when you grow up in Canada at four years old, everybody's parents think you're going to be in the show. So, you know, I think once you kind of hit 15, 16 and, and you're playing on those top teams with some really, really good players, um, and you can, and you can handle yourself, I think you, uh, you know, at that point, it definitely became my mission to try and make it. Must be fucking nice, boys. All right, so you guys both played in the East Coast of the AHL. Uh, Joey, you played Bridgeport, uh, Stockton, South Carolina, Manchester, and Springfield. Matt, you playing for the Crunch, uh, Worcester, Phoenix, Houston, South Carolina, Norfolk, Rockford, and then you went to the Swedish League. Uh, can you guys just tell us, like, what it was like playing the East Coast, the AHL? <laughs> And Matt, I need to hear about the women over in Sweden. That's another thing that I totally need to hear about. So, yeah, if you guys just break down each league and maybe tell us something that the average hockey fan wouldn't know about, like, living the life of a professional hockey player in those leagues. Like, just break it down for us. Um, all right, yeah. I mean, after uh, after my senior season at Maine, I signed a uh, um, professional like, tryout contract with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, which was a big deal for me because – I grew up an Islanders fan, and um, it was uh, it, it really meant a lot to me. It was like like I felt like I deserved it and I earned it, and this is kind of you know what it takes to get there, and all you know it, it was kind of like just a crazy feeling. It's like wow, I'm actually getting paid to play hockey now. Yeah. Like it's actually official, you know? So like when I first got to the American league, um, my first teammates who I was like so starstruck about was, um, Rick DiPietro. That was when Rick yeah. first got sent down from the Islanders to Bridgeport. And I walked yeah, in like what? 10 sheets a year. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> So he, wa I walk in. I'm like, holy, holy shit! Like, I'm gonna be DPX's teammate. And like, I'm just like, kind of a little starstruck about how everything goes. But like, at the same time, I'm like, so, like, this is like the coolest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, you go to practice one day, and you're there for like 45 minutes towards the end of the season, and you're at the rink for like an hour and a half on the ice for 45, getting stretches, and then like. They're like, all right, see you guys later. And you go home and you go to the hotel and you're like, all right, well, it's not even 12 o'clock yet. What am I going to do for the rest of the day? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you really have to learn to like balance your time out and figure out what you're going to do, create a hobby or whatever. But, I mean, I remember going to that first like month and a half that I was up with Bridgeport was um, one of like the coolest experiences like – I had and something that like really made me want to do this for the rest of my life. But, you know, um, it was just a really cool experience being able to go from college, taking classes and to this is what you're doing. You're getting paid to play hockey, something that you've wanted for 
so long and it's that much cooler once you get there and I'm doing it. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I, I was similar. That's when I, I played for uh, Syracuse out of school. I, I At the end of my senior year, I went and just signed a PTO with Syracuse. Um, and just, you know, you kind of get your feet wet in the, in the professional game, and it, it's a good test. Um, I was fortunate to sign with San Jose organization uh, that summer. Uh, funny story similar to Joey's about being not starstruck, but we had uh, we had a bunch of really good vets my rookie year in Worcester, and one of them was Kyle McLaren. Oh, Remember Kyle McLaren yeah, who used dude. to wear like a yellow windshield visor, like yeah. down to his chin? <laughs> yes. Well, this guy back then he was like a, he was on the back nine. He was, you know, at the end of his career, but I think he was still making four million, five million bucks a year. So anyway, he got sent down and he was down for the rest of the year. And so he got his his car shipped to him. He had this this uh Navi- Lincoln Navigator fully custom like interior with Louis Vuitton oh seats, <laughs> seats in it. I mean, he used to hack darts on the way to the rink. This guy was beautiful. But the best part, of it, I was I was making the, the least amount of money on the team. I was on an American League deal. Like, I don't know. My paychecks every two weeks were, let's say, 2800 bucks. He would, he, we started doing a thing where he would let me open his paycheck every two weeks. <laughs> I won't give the exact number, but it was astronomical to me. So it was, uh. That was kind of one of my, my rookie experiences. Like, wow. There. Did he have the dyed blonde hair still? I don't know if he's still rocking that, but he did when I when I played with him. Yeah, that was outrageous. I remember that guy. Yeah, he was he was great to me, man. He was uh, he he was a really good guy. What a throw! Oh yeah, I mean, I think my, my path in in pro hockey was uh, I saw a lot of different angles in a lot of different places. You know, I was able to, you know, kind of establish myself as an American League player for four and a half years and then went over to Sweden and and I had some success in Sweden and I had some huge failures. I got bought out twice, um, which was insane. I mean, hockey over there, it's like contracts don't mean what they do over here. Mm-hmm. They can just pick up and fire you whenever they want, and so that was uh, another kind of learning experience. But yeah, man, I wouldn't change my path and, and the places I played, the people I met um, for anything. It, it was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. <coughs> How rattled were you when you got bought out in Sweden? You're just in some fucking foreign ass country, and it's like, oh hey, you don't play for us anymore. Oh yeah, it's crazy, man. They they they, they buy you out. They make you <laughs> go to the bar. Technically, what they do is they try to they say, "Hey, you you no longer on our team. You're fired." And you're like, "Okay," but technically, they can't do that. So what they try and do is make you go like on six mile runs at six a.m. Oh, and they like, "Oh, it's mandatory team thing. If you don't show up, you contract is void." I don't know why I'm talking like Drago right now, but. <laughs> And, and so, yeah, they tried to do that. They did it with me for like three weeks. You know, I was practicing with the junior kids, but at that point in my life, man, I was 30. I had a kid. I was like, I will do whatever you (laughs) tell me to, 
I'm getting paid, man. Yeah. And so after a while, they just got sick of it, and they're like, "Oh my god, we got to pay this guy and get him out of here." (laughs) It's it can be financially good for players, but obviously, you know, on your resume and and you know, guys get bought out all the time. They don't fit in. They don't partially a big portion was me and and you know just not fitting into kind of that system. But yeah, man, you learn a lot when you get uh you get chopped over there in, in a different country. What, what, how was it? Was it hard to like, uh, live like the Swedish lifestyle, I guess? Like it was, it was it difficult to get accustomed to like living the way they do over there. Like what's it like in Sweden? Um, I, I found Sweden very, very similar to Canada in a okay. lot of ways. There were so many similarities. The greatest thing about Sweden, like I love Sweden. Um, my wife loves Sweden. It, it is such a beautiful country. The people are beautiful man like it's it's weird like you just walk around and you're like oh my god like look at this dude it's 11 in the morning or look at this late they're like just dialed in with the greatest suits like it yeah. so that part of it was so cool to, to see another perspective but everyone in sweden speaks english so it was super okay. easy you go to the grocery store everyone can speak english so Kind of adjusting that way was easy, man. They they set you up with housing. They give you a car. They give you a cell phone. The only thing you pay for is is like if you go out or beer and and your gas and your car. It's it's a great lifestyle, man. So uh, Sweden Sweden was amazing. Uh, before we get into how you guys met, can you guys just let me know who the most talented player you played with was and and the scariest player that you guys played against? Played with, yeah, or against, Um, with or against, it doesn't matter. Surprise me. I had a couple of uh, preseason games. I played. uh, I was able to play with John Tavares. I went to Washington. Dude, how how good is John Tavares for the people that don't really fully understand? It's it's different. Like there's like six or seven guys who are on a different planet. He's one of them. Yeah. Um, I've had. Went to Washington's camp, playing the inner squad scrimmage. Was on a line with OV and Backstrom, which was nuts. Yeah, um, a little bit. You were on line. I didn't, I didn't touch the puck once. That's a good shift. <laughs> um, Wait, you were on their line? Yeah, just like yeah, like mixed in through. Guys are rotating through and stuff like that. Um, Did they even like talk to you? Like, were they just no. like, all right? We'll, we'll <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Another preseason game with the Islanders. I got to play against uh, Brodeur. Um, That's fucking sick. In his last, one of his last seasons uh, game in Jersey. Um, uh, the scariest person I probably played against was um, uh, Chris Neal. Yeah. It was pretty scary. Um, just from seeing him and seeing those crazy eyes that he has and uh, on TV, yeah. To where that, that guy, was, that guy's a fucking animal, dude. Like everybody hated him, but everybody hated him because he wasn't on their team. Like he was like the most fucking perfect team guy ever. He was like Sean Avery, yeah, the same exact uh, like how he carried himself. Yeah, and- but a- Avery was like a little bit more of a scumbag. Where I think Neil did it when it needed to be done. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are the. That's yeah. That's probably the. I mean, I, I'm pretty. Much, I was a dumb dumb. I wasn't scared of many people, mm-hmm. uh, but 
I, I bit off uh, more than I can chew quite a bit a couple yeah. times. Tell us, tell us uh, about that, the one fight you had against the guy that was like six foot five and, and how that, did you know you were going to fight that guy or did it just like? Um, that was against uh, kid Kyle Bigos. I was in the East Coast League and I was out in Stockton. Me and Kyle played against each other for four years in Hockey East. He went to Merrimack. I went to University of Maine. He, um, we both led our uh, team in penalty minutes. We both, I think, set. I think he set the record wow. at Merrimack. I set the record at Maine. And for four years, you weren't a lot of fight, but we would just go at it all the time. I like to stand in front of the net. He was usually that demon in front of the net. Um, I felt like I got the best out of him through in college just by being able to, you know, knock him down or just whatever it was. I mean, that's um, a good thing about being the smaller guy, right? Like, I'm 5'8". I would take runs at people, and if I fell down, it was like, whatever. But if I blew somebody up, it was like, yeah. How you it's like a blues for them either yeah, way. Exactly. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I played against him in Stockton, and he um, – we were in Stockton one night. I played with him. I played against him twice before that we were, you know, allowed to fight. You always give those looks to those guys where you, all right, is it going to happen tonight? Is there respect there? What is it going to be? And then one night something happened to where we're in, um, there was like a scrum in front of the net and he, uh, he was, you know, taking advantage of my vulnerability with my size yeah. and was down. He had me behind and he was just, kind of ragged me a little bit, I think. And then uh, we lined up for a face-off, and I was, sure enough, I was pissed off and ready to go. And I was like, hey, we're going to we're gonna go. Like, we're we're going we're gonna to do this. And we're going back and forth at each other. The refs are trying to uh, drop the puck. One of the refs comes over and was like, Diamond, stop it. You're not going him. Like, stop it. That's it. I was like, I was pissed off that the ref was telling me I'm yeah. not going to go him. What are you kidding me? That which got even more to where right when um, the faceoff, uh, right when the puck, the the ref drops the puck, um, I you just you just kind of black out a bit to where um, and you can see in the video I got I kind of got the best of them. Well, I did get the best of them. Okay. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it was a good fight. After the fight, uh, you know, um, just all respect. Yeah. And a good fight. Um, you're done. You're done. All right, here we go. Right, let's play hockey now. So it was, uh, yeah, that, that, that was my, uh, that was my fight against guys six, 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 seven. Yeah. The chances of me ever fighting somebody above the probably six foot not happening, man. I'm too soft for that. I'm a perimeter player. Uh, I, I don't like to get involved with anybody that big, but Matt, what about you? Talent? Scary. Let's hear it. Um, I'd say, Similar to Joey, I think like when you're in all the you know NHL training camps. For me, Marty St. Louis, Steven Stamkos. Um, I played with Joe Pavelski in junior, and then you know with San Jose in training camps and stuff. Um, you know, there's so many guys over the years that are just. I'd say the hardest player I ever played against that I was like, oh my god, this guy's just way better than everyone was when I was in Sweden. My first year, it was the lockout year, and Anze Kopitar um, was in our league. And, like, for whatever reason, I was a centerman, he was a centerman. And I ended, like, when we played them, it was just, like, I think I went 0 for 70 on faceoffs against them, and he probably had, like, nine points in four games. And I was, like, dash nine. Like, he was, 
so good that you were just like, wow, this guy is, you just understood that difference, right? Um, The scariest guy, man, I don't know. I played my, I don't know. You might know some of these names like, like John Morasty. Oh yeah. Remember Nasty Morasty? Yeah, man. He was, man, it was a different world then. Like him and like Dennis Bonvi and all those guys. I I was roommates with Mitch Fritz. Like these guys were. Mitch Fritz, dude. Uh, yeah, Mitch he was my Fritz. roommate. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I remember. I think he was playing for Boston, and I think he scored a goal. And the fucking the entire crowd was chanting, "We want Fritz." Yeah, the Grim Reaper, man. He it, just an unbelievable human being. Like, wouldn't hurt a butterfly off the ice. But he was like six eight, had hair down to his. Like, he looked like the Undertaker. Mitch and, fucking Fritz. What a throwback name that is. Oh man, yeah, he's a he's a great guy, great teammate. But yeah, man, there were a lot of kind of scary guys. I wasn't, I I like to chirp a little bit, but I wasn't like Joey D. Like Joey D was, he fought some heavyweights, man. Like this guy was. Like, Joey's one of the toughest pound for pound guys that I have ever been around for sure. Oh, I appreciate that, Maddie. <laughs> Got a little PJ stock in him. Uh, thank you, bro. Oh yeah, man. Uh, all right, so how did you guys meet? Same team, I'm assuming? Yeah, my last year of pro, I, I was playing in Austria, actually. Um, around Christmas time, I started talking to the coaches with the, the Manchester Monarchs there. My wife is from the area. Um, and just kind of, I, I knew it was my last year, and I felt like coming back, playing for the Monarchs um, would be great for me. So um very thankful that I that I made that jump and kind of ended my career, you know, here in, in New Hampshire in front of, you know, some family and stuff. And that's where I uh, I first met Joey. Um, he was kind of one of the go-to, well, was, you know, one of those go-to guys on that team. And right away, we just, we clicked, we, you know, we got the same jokes. We, we were just boys instantly, you know how it is in the room. And yeah. Um, you know, from there, it just kind of grew. Well, I think my story is a little bit different than <laughs> when I first met Maddie. Oh, uh, shit. No, I, I remember Maddie walking into the locker room clear as day. Like, he walks in. Like, I wish I, you'd be able to, like, see it. He walks in, like, his swag. Like, hey, what's up, fellas? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, he's showing off his hat, shirt off, just as uh, – shorts on like yo what's up fellas how we doing how we doing like he had a personality right away to where it was uh it was really easy to um really easy to attract other guys to him and stuff like that and we kind of sat near each other and then like like you said like one joke one joke you just feel each other out and be like oh okay this is this is gonna be fun we got another fun guy in the locker room so that's kind of where uh at all, uh, yeah. I mean, I was the old man too at that point. Like, I, I came there, I was 31, I had a three year old daughter. These guys are all like 22, 23, just ripping it up single. <laughs> I'm bald, like, I don't, I'm bald. These guys all have baby on the way. Like, I was the old grandpa, so I kind of, you know, I had some experience, some miles on me, so it was, uh, it was a good match. It was, I'm so glad that I came back, and it was a great group. Yeah. So you guys started Company Thirty Nine, and I mean, you guys sent me it. It's fucking unbelievable. Do you guys want to kind of just break down what that is, how it started, 
stuff like that because if if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what this is, fucking pay attention because it's it's legit. So if you guys could just break that down, that'd be that'd be good. Yeah, you want to go ahead, Maddie? Yeah, sure. I I appreciate the kind words. Um, I think originally I I would say that it it, it sort of came from our deficiencies as players or or we sort of felt that way. I I obviously retired and Joey played another season, but he was right here in Manchester. Um, so we you know we started to spend more and more time together, and <clears throat> I was um, you know I, I think just once you're out of the game, you have a different perspective. And I started to kind of look back a little bit and, and I think we both felt that like we, there was a little bit left. Like we didn't do everything maybe we could have, or we didn't. And and from there, I think, you know, we, we wanted to, we both had sort of this passion, this idea that we wanted to create content. We wanted to like go do something, create something. And we, we looked at our, our sort of our networks, our experience, and we were like, man, what if like we created some content with some guys and, and, and we made it entertaining and we made it educational, something that, you know, younger players can, can kind of learn from, mm-hmm. not just like, oh, they drive a cool Mercedes or they do this, like, or, you know, just highlights that you see of players. We wanted to kind of, find a different lane and and so we we got to work um you know we we came up with a plan and and we went out and and you know we met with joe pavelski and we really wanted to uh him to be sort of our flagship guy to to launch this with and um you know it took six to eight months to, (laughs) to sort of create um the vision for what we've done and and um, you know, we launched it in, in late March. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey, I don't know if you want to jump in at all. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. How, like you said, Maddie, like we, we kind of, we got, we got pretty close just as teammates and stuff like that. And, um, I think how it really, like, I re- I remember clear as day, Maddie coming in, he, you know, he's, um, coming into the locker room. I'm still playing, but he, he's not too far away. Like he said, and he's like, yo, I want to, let's get together tonight. Let's, you know, let's hang out a bit. And I'm like, all right, come over by the, come by the place. Had a, I think a couple bottles of red and started talking. And, um, it came from this idea of like, like Maddie said before, like how, what could we have, what could we have done better in, our careers like should we could we have trained more could we have done this what did we have to do it's like you always told what to do but you weren't really like all right yeah you got to train all right yeah you got to do this you got to shoot you got to practice it it almost like at least for me when we were talking about it early on it was just like people learning from experienced people and people who've been through it to where we thought that was us in the beginning then it totally transformed into all right now you're going to learn from the athlete joe pavelski and we like matt said we thought joe pavelski was a perfect flagship for starting our company with company 39 and learning from an nhl superstar Mm -hmm. and you guys picked a great fucking person because if you get a chance and you get to watch this joe pavelski he's he's like a fucking superhero man the the shit that the kid went through and and his work ethic right like 
You, you said, like, you get you train. Okay, shoot. Okay, but, like, you really, really have to kind of get into the logistics of doing that shit and why you do that shit. And Joe Pavelski, not the biggest guy in in the – do you call it a documentary? Yep. Okay, in the documentary, you learn. I mean, his his skating was questioned. What is pretty much his entire career, and that never held him back. He fucking grinded his ass off, and now look at him. He, he's a fucking unbelievable player. USA Olympic team captain of the Sharks. Like, guy did it, and I I think it's a great idea too because if you look at the NHL, the one thing they don't really market their players all that well. You know what I mean? Like like what you said, you see highlights of them, but you don't really get to like meet the player and understand like what they had to do to get to where they needed to be. And for me, as a hockey guy, I fucking love hockey. I watch highlights. I watch anything. But that was what was so cool about it is this is something that I think is missing. Like, you don't, you don't get to see these stories every single day. And that I think that's kind of what separates you guys compared to everybody else. Right, yeah. And I appreciate that. And, yeah, and, like, and, and as we started to kind of grow on the idea, we, um, you know, we wanted to create something that we wish we had when we were younger players. Yep. And we were like, man, we would have loved, like, and, and so we wanted to kind of take out that middleman and, and bridge that gap between the NHL player and the amateur player that's aspiring to be them. Mm-hmm. And so we created this, this content package. Um, you know, it includes a documentary. It's about 40 minutes in length. And then it also includes a drills practice video where Pavs is on the ice. He talks about what, you know, drills he uses and why he uses them. And then it also has some literature and an ebook, which is sort of that mindset stuff that, um, you know, those principles of success that, that Joe has leaned on and and we package it up. It's all available on our website. Um, you know, we wanted to, the way media is consumed these days, we wanted to provide a product that's available, you know, anywhere on it, on any device really. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. We think, um, you know, the ability for young athletes to learn, you know, the habits, the routines, the, the path, you know, of these NHL guys, it takes out sort of that mystery. And it's like, hey, if you can learn directly from these guys, um, you know, it, it can only benefit you and benefit your game. No, for yeah, sure. I remember, uh, I, was say, I, even, I remember even growing up too, like, if you wanted any sort of like drill, like, the books that they had out, they were all written by people that you had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. And they were just like the same old drills. And there wasn't really anything when you were younger to watch to really see like what it took behind the scenes. I remember Wayne Gretzky actually came out with a oh, yeah. DVD and it was like, <laughs> yeah, we all probably had it. It was like, a good concept, but like at the end of the day, it wasn't like you're learning from Wayne Gretzky. I feel like the product that you guys are, creating and using players like Joel Pavelski, you really get to see like the mindset behind everything and you get to see like why you're doing those drills, why they're important and like the focus it takes to actually like grow as a player, whether, you know, you're in high school or you're still like playing youth hockey, even at the, you know, juniors and, and professional levels too. So, I mean, the product is certainly unique, and it definitely is, is extremely useful, especially for the younger hockey player. Definitely, and, and not even just a hockey player. If you're a coach, 
and you're watching this shit, like how many times have we had coaches that didn't have a fucking clue what was going on that would just say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Why? Because I said so. Like these guys can sit down and realize, okay, this is what it took to create an NHL player. This is the work ethic. This is what I should expect from somebody. And then you have these drills. I can't tell you how many fucking times that we did drills and like we're sitting in the corner and we're like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Like this is a help, like sick flow drill, dude. Like nobody gives a shit about this. But if you're focusing on skills and and stuff like that, like – it's the real deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so where where do you guys see yourself going from here? You guys had Joe Favelski. It was fucking awesome. Uh, what what are your future plans? Do we have any more volumes coming out? What's going on there? Uh, yeah, we we obviously right now we're we're super focused and and really excited about the success we've had with Joe Pavelski's. Um, you know, we're continuing to partner with more and more youth hockey organizations um and and yeah i don't think we're quite ready to announce um you know player volumes but i will say that we're extremely excited about um you know the couple players that that have signed on and that we'll be working with in 2019 um i think you know kind of early january um you know we may have a, a couple announcements and we're really excited about them that's awesome man <laughs> and we, we can visit you guys at company39.com. Uh, what are your social handles so if people are listening to this, they know where to go? Yeah, company39.com, company spelled with a K. Uh, and then, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, uh, company39, and then Instagram's company underscore 39. Because uh, we don't have a clue who has that company39 on. <laughs> Why did you guys decide on company39 with the K? Well, the K is for knowledge. Oh, okay. Reading, reading into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All this yeah. knowledge from, you're learning this knowledge from the athlete. Mm-hmm. And then th- and 39 just cause? No, we, we, we both wore 39. Oh, boom. Yeah, man. 39 was, uh, yeah. 39 was my number from 14 years old on. So. Wait, who got it that last season? For Joey. He did. So the, I was extremely upset. About, uh, <laughs> a little pissed off with our equipment manager. Uh, I went in. I, wa- I was like, "Hey, can I wear 30, 39? He was like, "No, uh, we're at tra- we're at a training camp." He was like, uh, "No, the one of the goalies already has thirty nine And I'm like, "One of the goalies? There's five goalies here." What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm like, "All right, well." All right, give me. Th- where'd you get thirty-two from? Then he was like, "Oh, well, I just looked it up when your first when your first pro year when you signed with Bridgeport, you were number 32 I'm like, "Oh, okay, makes sense." So when the goalie <laughs> when the goalie didn't make the team after training camp, there are five of them. That, yeah, because there were five of them. <laughs> uh, number was left alone. I was like, "Hey, can I change my number to 30? Nine. He was like, "No, I'm sorry, we can't." <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding me? Like, and then the next year, I'm like, "Hey, can I wear number 39?" He's like, "No, we don't." It's it's basically it was too hard for him to detach <laughs> my name and put it on another jersey. You fucking hated where, you. Yeah, to where Maddie comes in and snags 39 right away, <laughs> mid season. <laughs> mid season. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, he just took it. He just took it. Like, but yeah, that was uh, 
that was the reason why I didn't wear 39. And, yeah. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Well, while we have you guys on here, there were three huge NHL stories uh, this week. We would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, the first one I'm going to bring up, because, Matt, I think you said that you played with him. The Blackhawks coach, they, they fired Coach Q, and now they have this guy. I'm going to butcher his last name, too. Jeremy Colladin? Colleton, yeah. Colleton. If if uh if you don't know anything about him, will you will you let us know a little bit about this guy? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, to be quite honest with you, he's a very close friend of mine. Um, I I grew up with him. Um, we're from you know the same part of Alberta. He was just you know a few miles away growing up. So we played together at different points on you know travel teams, etc. You know when we were younger, um, played against each other in pro always been been very close friendly and then my second or sorry my third year in sweden was his first year of coaching he he had had some concussion problems and ended up um taking over the team over there as a coach and he is wise beyond his years there's no like the, the fact that he's 33 doesn't i mean he he has been so much more advanced hockey wise, um, you know, mentally since we were young, he's an incredible hockey mind. It's, it, I mean, you don't go four years from the Swedish second league to the NHL if you're not doing something right. And, and, you know, I know they mentioned it in the press conference yesterday. He's a great communicator and he is, he's a player's coach. The guy, I think the guys will really like him. Um, you know, he, he's fair, he's demanding. I think he'll do a really good job. I'm really excited for him. Obviously, it's, I mean, Quenville is, is an absolute legend. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's good to shake things up. And, and I think Jeremy, once he gets his feet wet, will do really well. <clears throat> I feel like Blackhawks fans are going to appreciate that because right now they are on the fucking watch and they have not a clue what's going on. And, and I haven't really heard much about him. So if you're a Blackhawks fan, I'm sure you're probably smiling a little bit more than you were. Yeah, yeah, it's I've noticed that too. Obviously, there's been uh, it's because know, Coach Q is such a legend, would... dude. That's that's the only reason. It could have been anybody else would have been fine, but the fact that it was Coach Q, kind of, it's a rough look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you got to respect that. I mean, um, you know, he's you can't fill that guy's shoes. So he, you know, I think to get a guy in there, he is as ready as anybody would be for the situation he's being put in. And, awesome. and yeah, he's a, he's a very bright hockey mind. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, I think he'll do really well. I, I, and he's got some leaders on that team that aren't going to be sulking about this. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you have Jonathan Chase yeah. and Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith, those are the types of players that you want around you in a situation like this, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he, he's got a little bit of a relationship with Seabrook um, playing with him growing up and stuff. So, yeah, I think, like you said, their leadership group, they'll be fine. All right. So that was a little Blackhawks talk. Now, Ottawa Senators. I think you guys, everybody's fucking <laughs> seen this. A uh, couple of the boys, Duchesne. I forget who else. Uh, Papa, you know who else was on the in the Uber ride? Do you guys know anybody else? I know it was Duchesne. Was it DeMello? DeMello yeah, DeMello was, was there. in there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the other guys, but yeah, I <laughs> pretty much what like a five minute video of them just ripping the co- the coaching staff and and ownership and and Duchesne saying he hasn't paid attention in three weeks. I'll give you my take. Like, yeah, rough look, 
But if you're telling me that you've played hockey and you've never done this before, you're fucking lying to me. Every single one of us has been with the boys and been like, our coach is a fucking idiot. He has no idea what's going on. Or like you got scratched and you're like, I fucking hate this team. I hope this team burns to the ground. Like everybody's been there just that they got recorded. I I couldn't agree more. I think you're bang on with that. And like that, it is. Every, every guy's been in a situation like that. It's just, I mean, what a who's this guy film? Like, yeah. what are you doing? But anyway, that's the world we live in and, and unfortunate. But, but like you said, like every hockey guy can understand being in that cap, you know? Yeah. And what makes matters worse is the Ottawa fucking senators. Like, <laughs> Oh, I know. It's <laughs> just pile on. Joy, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, I mean, they did, they did come together and just blow out the Devils their next game. So, I mean, I know. I could honestly bring that team together because it's almost yeah. like, all right, we know we have some issues here. These are, I mean, they said it. You know, I think their PK was like one of the worst in the league. Yeah, and they're and, like, you have to try to be that. I bad. mean, now at least now they're open about what they think they need to work on. And if they, yeah, exactly. if they get that game together you know yeah. it'll string together a few wins and talk about being tone deaf did you see the picture of the jumbotron when they were playing that game it was all uber yeah the uber sign it's i know hilarious are you fucking kidding me like jesus christ <laughs> I mean, it's good troll by new jersey seriously man uh last story we kind of talked about it a little bit before he jumped on last night milan lucic uh goes after a rookie matthew joseph who buried chris russell from behind you have all those mentally weak people saying how it was fucking dirty play. He should be suspended. That's what everybody was talking about. Lucic had a phone hearing. He owes the league ten grand. People are fucking pissed about that. You guys, both veterans of the fucking game, what did you have on this? For me, I thought it was awesome. Like, I think he could have hurt him if he wanted to. I think that was just Milan Lucic being like, if you do this again, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, that that's kind of the take I had about it. Is Can you imagine what Milan could have done to him? Seriously, and he didn't. And he didn't. And yeah. I think it was just kind of making a statement. It's like, you don't do that, especially yeah. to anyone on my team. I'm on this team, and whoever does that is going to have to deal with me. I mean, that's his role too, right? Like, that's why he was signed to that huge contract. That's what Milan Lucic is supposed to do. He's supposed to score some goals. But, dude, like, you talk about scary fucking guys. That would be the last fucking person I would ever want to fuck with. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, like Joey said, I mean – the game has certainly changed, and they're trying to clean some things up. But at the end of the day, like hockey's a men's, like it's a man's game, you know. And and like Joe said, Mila Lucic could have killed that guy, man, and he didn't, you know. So I, again, I, I I liked, I didn't mind it at all. I think that there's there is a time for things like that where the, where the players have to be able to police themselves a little bit they can't remove that completely from the game and i don't think he stepped over the line dude it's just it's fucking rough right because i feel like if you interview every nhl player in the league they kind of understand what happened there but then you go to the media and everybody's fucking calling for suspensions and all this shit and then if they don't suspend it it's just bad pr it's like oh you guys aren't like you aren't protecting the players but in that case like like what you guys said he could have fucking murdered that guy and he didn't i think that's the difference between a play like that and tom wilson going out and just blowing up somebody's head in a preseason game i think those are two completely different it's totally different i agree yeah oh and one last question while you guys are on because i got a lot of uh twitter wars about this the the elias peterson uh hit papa who the fuck was the guy matheson 
Yeah. Yeah. What, what was what was your take on this? Because my take is he was 160 pounds, and we see that play literally probably five times every game. It's just the fact that he he weighs like 100 pounds. Well, that that I for me at least, I, I that's Mathen is just playing hard. Yeah. Right. It's okay. Like, He's playing. He's yeah. playing as a guy that you don't want to play against. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that I don't want to play against because every time he pins you up on the boards, he's going to throw you down. Mm-hmm. That would, and you can tell how easy that was for him yeah. in that situation. To yeah. where, like, it, it's kind of. I don't want to say like the NHL is getting softer, but it is. As you could, it's yeah. younger. Yeah, but. At the same time, it's like you do have to police it. and But uh, 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 playing hard and being big and strong and training all summer, that's what you go into the corner as a def- big defenseman to do. And, yeah. and, you know, and you know their their game plan was to throw the body against that kid all night long. Because he's fucking you know, nasty. He's a, he's a rookie. He's I mean, this, kid, this kid's unbelievable. So good. <laughs> His goal last night. Oh, my God. Cat, casual clap on whatever. I I think the thing that pissed me off about that hit so much is I think if he didn't get hurt, we wouldn't have even known that that hit really happened. Bingo. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I, I yeah, I, I'm right in line with you guys. I mean, he's he's obviously this young and he's super. He's a superstar or a superstar in the making. Um, so maybe that played into it. But yeah, you can just tell he's 160 pounds. I mean, it's a hockey play, yeah. and, and you can't eliminate the hockey plays. So, all right, I'm glad I'm not a fucking idiot. And there's also there's also one more question because oh, a huge controversy uh, <laughs> with the morning skate Twitter was the whole Carolina Hurricane celebration oh, after the game. How do you two feel about it? Would you guys be okay with you know doing the canoe down the ice and crashing into boards after every win? Um. You know they got to be joking around about that. For me, I, it, it's definitely trying to like they haven't had the greatest of seasons the last couple of years, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's more of like a like a gimmick. You know, in a way, if they're the best team in the league, they're not doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I agree because it, it makes it like a fucking circus, right? Yeah, they're just trying to get more fans to the games. You know, they're trying to make it interesting, more exciting. Maybe like a Vegas thing that they're trying to, you know, promote or however market whatever they're doing. I don't. To be honest with you, I don't even really. I just seen a couple Instagram videos of it, but I, I feel like that won't last long. It's yeah. not going to last. Long. I feel like if I was in the NHL and they were like, "Hey, you have to do this after a win," I'd be like, "What the fuck did you just say to me?" <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dougie Hamilton doing like the floss dance. Well, that that's not shocking, dude. Oh, that yeah. guy's been traded from two different teams because nobody liked him. I mean, I, I'm an Islanders fan, and I, I thought the whole yes, yes, yes thing was kind of played kinda out, cool. right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. All right. But yeah, I agree with you guys on that. I mean, yeah, I think it's it. Like you said, if they're the best team in the league, they're not doing that. But. If it's an internal thing that that they stick it, I'll tell you this: if they stick it out the entire year and internally they're doing it for some odd team reason, and they stick it out and they just like, yeah, we don't care what you think, we're gonna keep doing it. Love it. And I'll commend them at the end of the year, but I don't know if that's what it's about. <laughs> 
Okay, I think I can respect that too. Like, if they fully embrace this shit, that's cool. But if they only do it for a couple months, it just proves my point that the fucking Hurricanes are a joke. <laughs> I love it. All right, boys. Hey, thanks for hopping on. We really appreciate it. If you guys get a chance, check this out, please. It's fucking, it's well worth it. Um, I got buckled and watched this thing, and I was just like, holy fuck, this is legit. So, company39.com. Follow them on all their social uh, networks. Guys, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. This is the most fun I had on a podcast in a while. And I just interviewed Joe Mullen and Bill Clement. So, I mean, I, you guys are up there. So. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us. All right, sure thanks, Wells. Company39.com with a K. With a K. And 39. Or, yeah, or, check this out. Yeah, Company32 was taken. All right, see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, pole cup, watch the world go up in smoke. I like my music real loud.